Praise the Lord to everyone. God is truly an awesome God. I'm so grateful for what God is doing. He is a great God. Thankful for being here. Today we are continuing our subject, um, talking about putting life back into perspective is the overall title. And we will be focusing on, we've been talking about ministry. Um, So last week we had a little break, church on the grounds. And thank God for that. I mean, it was amazing the way it all played out, just kind of watching. We were trying to determine what way we were going to go. Uh, because the weather did not turn out the way we anticipated it would. Weather forecast changed like uh, probably three times within one week. And so we didn't get to do all the things that we wanted to do. But what was great about it is that the children, uh, it was mainly geared for the children. And so it was good to see the children still out there. It was, you know, rain was coming down a little bit, but they were still out there playing as if it was no big deal. And so they still enjoyed themselves, and I believe we did have a couple of visitors come through as well. And so that was a blessing. Amen. So thank you for all the, uh, all of you that uh, assisted in helping put that together. I appreciate that, um, and I believe that we accomplished what we needed to accomplish. So as we continue talking about ministry, um, we talked before about uh, participation when you talk about the things that we need in ministry, we require participation, first and foremost. If you have no one to serve, then you won't accomplish anything. Somebody has to do the work, right? And so participation, the other subject we were going we're to talk about today is relationship. Uh, Got to have a relationship when you're talking about ministry. And again, I have to emphasize that ministry is the entire work of God. Sometimes ministry can become, the way we present ministry can become exclusive to just what you do, your role. Uh, You know, so being on a platform or having a title, you know, being a preacher, whatever the case may be. But you don't have to have a title to be engaged in ministry. Ministry is the entire work of God. Something as simple as picking up paper off the floor in the church, that's part of ministry. Because if somebody doesn't pick it up, it's going to look a mess. Amen. So just by doing that or taking out the trash, it's the simple things. You know, sometimes we can we've 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 evolved so much as a society. We've learned so much. We've grown so much. And sometimes we we there was a term that I heard used by one preacher and it said, you know, we've educated ourselves into imbecility. We have missed the very small details the simple things in life, you know, it's amazing. We've complicated life so much that we forget the small things. In efforts to accomplish the big things, we lose out because we forget the details. And so, you know, ministry involves every facet. It involves every member of the body. We read the scripture where it talks about you can't say to one member, you're insignificant. We don't need you. You know, they'll tell you, the scientists will tell you, medical professionals will tell you that you need your pinky toe. That helps you balance. 
I'm sure you can figure out if you had to do without it, you could figure it out and work around it, but it still would be a whole lot easier if you just had your pinky toe. And sometimes that's the most neglected. What What's the first toe usually to get corns? All right. <laughs> so, so obviously, and when you get it, you start paying attention to it, right? Amen. So... So it is important. Every member of the body is just as important when we're talking about ministry. It's important. I emphasize that because a lot of folks are not engaged in ministry because they feel like, well, I'm not in the ministry. I'm not licensed. Well, there's more to ministry than just being licensed. Amen. Licenses and having offices in the church, that's scriptural. Okay. And they have their place. But please don't exclude the other parts of ministry. When God calls you, he calls you for a purpose, not just to take up space on a pew. You come every Sunday, you ain't doing nothing, you're not contributing. How would you feel if you making dinner, you serve the table every, every week, you know, somebody comes to your house and they sitting in your chair eating your food, but they ain't contributing nothing. We had just the past week, we was... Uh, we was doing a potluck. We was putting a potluck together. And everybody's familiar with a potluck. So we sent out an invitation. We said, we're doing a potluck, you know, farewell for one of our service members. And so, you know, you're invited. Well, naturally the implied task would be you would contribute something to the potluck. I was surprised at all the responses I got. I might be there, but I don't know if I'm bringing anything. Well, it ain't going to be much of a potluck, so y'all might be disappointed. <laughs> Amen. But we all contribute to this. Amen. Every body, every member of the body has a part in ministry. So that is very important. So today we're talking about relationship. The scripture talks about us being adopted. God has adopted us. You know, the original uh, chosen generation or chosen seed was Israel. Okay, so the descendant of Abraham, the descendant of Isaac, and Jacob. Well, you know, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and so all those descendants, that's why we call them the children of Israel, 12 tribes, they were all the children of Israel. And they were the promised seed or the promised generation, the promised people. What is amazing is today, even though we are not Jews, we can still claim the name. We can still be a part of the family of God. We can still be children of God. He has adopted. You know, if you ever been, if you ever known someone that did not have a home, you know, because for a lot of kids, you know, my children, they don't know anything about not having a home and not having parents and you know, not having a family, you know, but when you don't have somebody, you don't have a father, you don't have a mother, you don't have a family really that's to call your own. And somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm going to make you a part of my family. I'm going to treat you just like my own. That's what God did for us. We were wandering. We didn't have no father, not a real father. He wasn't there. He out there causing havoc. God says, I got something real for you. I'm going to make you part of a real family. And I'm so glad for that. We have been adopted. So we have been grafted into the body of Christ. Amen. It's only through Christ that we have this opportunity. So that's amazing. Amen. 
So talking about relationship, Merriam-Webster defines relationship as the way in which two or more people, groups, countries, so on and so forth, it's the way that they talk to, behave toward, and deal with each other. Now that says a lot when you're talking about relationship. How you behave, how you interact with one another. Think about that. The way in which two or more people or things are connected. Now, if there is no relationship in ministry, how can we be effective? Now, just taking this definition into consideration, first and foremost, how we behave toward and how we deal with one another. So I'm going to take a little moment and talk about that. Unfortunately, we have gotten to a point, and when I say church, I'm talking about the entire body of Christ. When you look at it as a whole, we are suffering in some areas, and one of those areas is how we deal with one another, how we behave toward one another. Now, some of that comes from what we like to call personality conflict. Now, if you ever work a job, you you understand that when you work in that job, everybody don't have the same personality. We don't all do things the same way. In the military, you've got a lot of people who are leaders, but everybody don't lead the same way. But if we're not careful, how we deal with that can impair our ability to accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. So as a church, if we want to be effective in ministry, we've got to consider how we treat one another. That's not important? Oh, I'm just checking now because this, you know, if we can't treat one another, this is what I always tell my children when I'm talking to them. If you can't treat your own flesh and blood properly with respect and courtesy and so on and so forth, then you certainly ain't going to do it to somebody else. And if you do, there is something wrong. There's an inconsistency. If I am a child of God and I have those who say they love God, part of the body of Christ, surely we should get along. I, you know, you, you may not wear your hair the same style as mine. I may be missing some and you may have all yours. It's okay. You may like a certain color suit. You might like to wear neckties, and I may can't stand neckties, but it's okay. At the end of the day, that's a personality thing. But never should that interfere with our ability to minister. Should never interfere with our ability to do what God is calling us to do. But how often is that becoming a problem? Some people are loud naturally. Just loud. That's just how they are. And some people are not. But if I'm not careful, I can have the wrong attitude. Say, man, why do they got to be loud all the time? Can't nobody stand it just loud for no reason. 
Now, I, you know, I don't have to like it. But at the end of the day, is that really significant enough that it should come between me and my brothers and sisters? Petty stuff. Come to church, sat in my pew, sat in my, they know I sit there every Sunday. Well, congratulations, you just moved. Right? It's, and it's really, I mean, you know, what's really sad is you go to some of these places and, and you know, some, some churches, it's really, this is where teaching comes into play because a lot of folks don't know. So you get an usher. If you're an usher, now some of these places, you know, the guys I grew up with, you know, they had uniforms. For ushers, you knew who the usher was. They got name plates and everything. It just looked professional. But if the usher ain't trained, you got ushers arguing with one another. And then when you get new folks coming, they don't know how to treat visitors. So, if a visitor comes in the church, it's probably their first time, right, coming there. I appreciate that you come as you are. You present yourself before God as you are because God can take somebody that has already identified where they are and assess that they need to get somewhere. And they also identify who can bring them to that point. That's why they're at church. I know where I'm at. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm jacked up. I know I don't look like you. I know I don't dress like you. You might not approve of the way I'm dressed right now, but I'm here for a reason. But you got some folks will kick them out. They sit in sister so-and-so chair, and they're being asked to move. It's little stuff, though. These are things that deteriorate our ability to be effective in ministry. Small things that can become a big deal. So we wonder sometimes why folks end up not coming back. Now I'm talking to the church, right? As we develop in our relationship with God, God begins to give us wisdom on how we need to treat one another how we need to interact gotta use wisdom you know i don't correct my children if i've got an infant that never learned not to do something i've got to teach him first before i can discipline him you don't discipline people that haven't learned from the beginning of time God didn't discipline Adam. He first told him what he needed to do. He gave him instruction. After he violated that, him and and Eve, that's when he disciplined them. So that's the way it works. What's what's the statement? Don't put the cart before the horse. Because I guarantee you, you ain't going too far. Right? So... 
teaching comes first and when you have a relationship with God, he begins to deal with you on how to interact with one another. Personality conflict is one of the biggest things that impede on our ability to be effective in ministry. Simple things like likes and dislikes. So your color, you may not, I may say, well, you know what, that color don't look good on somebody. And really, at the end of the day, it's not your body, so why are you worried about it? Now I spend half my week gossiping about my sister because I didn't like the color dress she wore. So let's put this in perspective. The amount of time that I probably took talking to all the people that I know about my sister who didn't wear a dress that I thought she should have been wearing, that's time I lost in praying for folks that actually have a need. Well, when that becomes the pattern, where's the substance of your relationship with God? Who are you really being influenced by? Who are you really connecting to? Think about it. What did it say? What's the definition? How we behave, right? It's amazing to me how many folks will sit and talk negative about the pastor. Because they didn't like what he preached. Last time I checked, that's the man of God. If we go back to the Old Testament now, some of us might not make it. Y'all remember the story with the man of God who had a bald head? So whose fault was it that they got torn by bears and, and, and what was it, lions? Or am I thinking the Wizard of Oz? They were making fun of the man of God. Making jokes about him being bald. They got tore up by the bears. Now God takes it very seriously when someone's messing with his children. Let me tell you something. We might think that God is a pushover. That's not how he operates. Now he, he allows us to go through some things. Well, we don't ever catch the full brunt of what's coming our way because he's always interceding in our life. He's always intervening in our life, and he's taking the brunt of everything that we deal with. That's what the Bible says, take the shield of faith. You stand behind the shield, the shield of faith. You put your faith in who? God. That's really who your shield is, right? He's your shield, your strong tower, right? He's the one that's protecting you. So everything that the enemy's throwing your way is really not hitting. You feel the impact of it, but you're not getting the full force of it. So the way we behave one another, to, uh, toward one another is very important because that can either make or break our effectiveness in ministry. This is how we build a relationship. So think about it. Those of us who are married, right? Treat your spouse. I'm not really telling you to do this, okay? I'm just using, making a statement. If you were to treat your spouse 
like trash. Talk to them like they beneath you. Don't do anything to help out. Don't show your love and affection. Don't communicate. How long do you think that relationship will last? Some of the godliest people can find themselves in a state where they are considering, I need to end this relationship. And we say it's because of neglect. Can I tell you something? I truly believe, I truly believe that if you are connected to God, there is no way that God will allow you to neglect who he's given you. That's my belief. There are too many scriptures in the Bible that talk about how I'm supposed to treat my wife. So if I'm living for God like I say I am and I'm doing God's work, there is no way I can neglect my wife because that's all a part of it. I'm going somewhere with this because this is one of the, one of the other areas. Oh, I'm going out winning souls. That's great. That's a part of what we're supposed to do. But as a father, I'm also supposed to be training up my children. I'm also supposed to be rendering due benevolence to my wife. I'm also supposed to be ministering to her needs. Did you know, talking about marriage, I'm trying to help put this thing together because a lot of times this is what we do. We categorize spirituality in one box. Our relationship with God in one box and then the practical aspect of life in another. And so a lot of times we don't make the connection between the two that God is still the one that should govern every aspect of our life. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what? In every way. There's been times, and I say this in this audience here, there have been times where I'm going, going, going. And I feel the prompting from God say, you need to spend time with your wife. You need to consummate with your wife. I have had those moments in my life. So I don't know about anybody else. But I truly believe that God will not allow you to neglect what he's given you. So you don't have to believe it, but I just know for me, that's been my relationship. He has helped me, even in the practical things. You know, God is concerned about every area of your life. Now, here's how that ties in for me, though. He gave me my wife. Now, first of all, the institution of marriage, I say institution very lightly. But marriage, <laughs> marriage was designed by who? And why? What did he say in the beginning? When he told Adam, he says, or he was talking about making Adam... A what? A help me. Help me what? My own agenda? It was to help meet the will of God. She's a help. He's a help. We both helping one another. That was designed by God. Now there is a natural... Um, there's a natural inclination in a human being to want to connect with someone else. We like fellowship. We like to be connected. 
And when you're not, when you feel like you're not a part of the group, when you feel like you're not connected to anybody, you feel isolated. And eventually you become depressed and you start dealing with all kinds of other things. And if you're not careful, you'll want to take your own life because you feel like nobody cares. You feel like you're not a part of anything, so on and so forth. A lot of our military spouses, at least in the past, there's a lot of our military spouses that had a lot of issues dealing with depression because they felt like they were just closed off. They didn't feel like there was a part of the group, so on and so forth. They didn't have nobody to fellowship with, or they felt like they didn't have anybody to fellowship with. And it's still happening today. We've even got folks, we got some of our brothers and sisters. We got preachers. You know preachers are people too? I'm just, you know, because sometimes, you know, we we look at preachers we're like, oh, they're way up there, man. They're connected with God. Like they walk in heaven on the streets of gold ahead of us so they could tell us, you know, they get the Rima word, you know, they just. <laughs> so they don't need nobody to talk to because they be talking with the angels and God. So, you know, they good. And sometimes that's the way, you know. But they're people, too. They're going through life and challenges just like the rest of us. Probably a whole lot more because they they're not only dealing with their stuff, they deal with everybody else's baggage. The reality, you try carrying 10 suitcases down the street. But that's what it is. So they need fellowship, too. We ain't going to invite the pastor, man. He... He gonna come over here and just start slanging and stuff, and he, you know, he just walk with God, man. I don't want him to know I got that little. It's okay. If you say, Pastor, come over and eat with us, he's not coming over there and inspect your house. <laughs> and he might pick up on some stuff, but you just need to make sure your house is in order. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> or pick a <laughs> pick a neutral environment, but uh, <laughs> hey man, but he you know he likes to eat too. <laughs> so it helps. Sometimes it's a challenge, especially when you're watching and you you know, for preachers, you kind of look. It's challenging as a parent, just like a parent. You're looking and you're trying to get your children to go a certain way. And it's like, man, they just seem like they want to do their own thing. And, you know, it's challenging. You as a parent, sometimes you, you ain't careful. You start questioning, man, am I being effective as a parent? I'll be praying, Lord, help me to be a better dad. I mean, what what else? What can I do? And sometimes God will tell me, say, just relax. It's okay. You know, they just going through a phase. Look, and I'm I'm telling y'all this stuff, and I know it sounds, you know, real simple, but that's how it is for me. It's like, okay, that, that's my dad. So who better to tell me what's going on? And when he puts my mind at ease, there's time. I'm telling you, there's times I'm dealing with stuff, and I'll just say, Lord, I, help me to understand this. I just want, I want to be right. I want to do right. So help me. Help me to have the right attitude. And there are things that he'll show me that helps me. I love it. It's really simple. Like, I don't have to go to Mount Carmel, you know, to connect with God and get, like, this big, deep, profound thing. He's just telling me practical things that I can use in life. 
Who better to get it from? Every bit of knowledge that exists in our world today comes from Satan can't even manufacture his own thoughts on his own. He's borrowing. That's why you look out in the world, you shouldn't even be alarmed. Man, that ain't nothing new. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, children of God, those of us who say we got the spirit of God, you shouldn't even be phased when somebody come possessed. Yep. That was around before. Jesus handled it. I got Jesus with me. Who you got? You borrowing power. You on borrow time. You need to get out. You walking in your home, shouldn't nobody, no child of God had no uh, demon sitting up in your house just chilling, sitting on your couch. You need to give him a notice of eviction, quick. You need to, you need to roll out. This is this place is for God. You ain't welcome here. You have no reserved spot here. You have that authority. By the Holy Ghost, you got that authority. And it's not you, but it's who's in you. The power of God. So when you start speaking the name of Jesus, he's got to move. They already shuddering when you walking up. So ain't no reason why you need to run away. I don't care if it's dark. Walk up. Yeah, uh-huh. Got the light of Christ in me. Where you at? I see you. And this is a part of your relationship with God. When you're building your relationship with God, these are things that I'm just, and I'm telling the stuff I'm sharing with you are things that God has shown me over the years that helped me out. So I know it works. I know it's real. Times when I felt like, man, it's just, okay, this ain't just no phase. There's some spiritual stuff going on. I start praying. I sit right in that bedroom with my kids. Okay, if I feel like something's going on, they having nightmares. I don't just chalk that up and say, oh, well, that's just, you know, that'll pass. No, you having nightmares. I'm just going to assume that there may be some influence. And if there is, just in case, I'm coming in. If you hear, you need to go. That's why a lot of times I get up in the, in the night when I hear my children crying or something, I get up. If I ain't knocked out, I get up if I can hear him. <laughs> because of my relationship with my wife, I heard her speaking already, so I <laughs> So <laughs> but our relationship with one another is really going to be a reflection of our relationship with whoever we're connected to. If I got a bad attitude, like I can tell you, and you know, there's a lot of times, and and this is where that personality conflict comes in. See, when I get tired, when I get really tired, I don't say much. I'm already, you know, I try already not to say much, especially if I'm in a big crowd. I'm just not a big crowd person, but I try to get in and, you know, do my do and, and let everybody else have the conversation. That's just me. I just listen and I observe. But if I'm really tired, I won't say much at all. And it's not because I'm trying to be rude. First of all, my brain is not working as fast as it normally does, so I probably can't even process the words I want to say. 
quick enough to express to you what I'm trying to say. Number one. Number two, I just feel like I don't have the energy to move my mouth right now. I just... So it's just a lot easier for me to just not say much about at all. I'm okay with that. You know, I can walk in a room. You ever you ever have people, you're one of the people and, you know, people feel like they just got to say something. Like, you know, you got two or three people in the room and somebody just got to say something. <clears throat> what they say, that awkward silence. And some people have to, so you get some people to ask what they ain't even thinking about it, but they, you know. They are not even interested in what they're asking about, but just to feel. So how's the weather? Well, let me see. I, um, I've always been the type when I, when I come home, you know, my wife learned this about me. She, she used to ask me, how was your day? I don't respond well to that question because for me it's like when i'm ready to talk about my day i'll talk about it it'll come out so when people ask me it's almost like i feel like i'm being forced to express now this is part of my personality it's me so i'd rather not i'd rather have nobody ask me about my day and then when i'm ready you know if i have the opportunity then i'll say yeah so i was sitting there it just comes out you know but then you get some folks, you go in and say, hey, how was your day? It's like, oh. how do I respond nicely? I don't want to talk about my day right now. But it's, person- it's differences in personality. That's all I'm getting at. It's differences in personality. But that can be taken the wrong way. It can be taken out of perspective. And before you know it, people are at odds because of something simple. Now, all right, let me talk about this real quick. Okay, in a relationship, a relationship will start off with an encounter. Now, the definition of an encounter pretty much is something that happens by chance. So, I'm going to say, whether you intend it to or not, it still starts with an encounter. It's the initial contact. Right? You ever hear folks and they're like, you see somebody, like, if you're into sports and you see some of these sports players, you know, like, oh, I know him. So my question is always, you know, man, okay, so you must have made contact with him. But that's not the case. So I really don't know him. I know about him. Now, why do I say that? Because we got a society full of people that say, I know Jesus. But the truth of the matter is they don't know him because they have not come in contact with him. They know about him. And sadly enough, ladies and gentlemen, we are we are we are quickly transitioning into a society that can't that won't even come to the point of knowing about him. It's quickly coming to that point. You used to be able to say certain Bible stories and it was just common knowledge whether they were in church or not. I hear some of the older people, you know, that I come in contact with, and they always talk about mom or grandma, you know. They used to always go to church and take them to church whether they wanted to be there or not, you know. Nowadays, that's it's not happening. Because the grandmothers now, a lot of the younger ones, well, they're getting younger and younger. 
And they trying to fit in. Probably just probably in the same age bracket as some of the grandchildren. So we our society is shifting, which is why it's so important for us as children of God to be who we say we are. Our world needs to know. We got a world that's looking for hope. You don't believe me? Look at all the stuff that they're producing. Everything that deals with sorcery, magic, superheroes, that's predominantly, if you look, look around, you don't have to even go that far. Go to the video store or go to the video section of the store or, you know, look at what's on Netflix or whatever the case may be. And most of the stuff that's out there is either sorcery, magic. I'm amazed at a lot of the horror that's on the rise. You used to have to search for that stuff. It's just blatantly out there now. And then you got parents who are letting their children just. And you know it's bad when they say, well, that wasn't really scary. Man, how scary does that have to get when they're getting stabbed? In the... Come on now. It's blood. Remember when they used to not show the blood? I mean, I'm not that old, but I remember some of those. They showing you everything now, every little detail. And folks walk away. It's not really that bad. Tell you why, because they are disconnected. And it's really bad when you got Christians, children of God, who are in that state. And it's some of the reason why some folks who are saved can walk in the house of God and not be moved when the spirit is operating. I'm going to take my time on this one because I believe it's necessary. So I know I'm, I'm going to run out of time in about three minutes. So I'm not even going to try to rush. Just pick it up next week. But this is this, these are things that are really important relationship you can go on and on and on about relationship but that initial contact has to happen before you can get to know someone i wonder how many folks are satisfied with a casual encounter with god and never develop into the full potential that God wants them to be. Because I'm here today, and I can justify in my own mind that next week I won't be here because I just don't feel like coming. Now, you know as well as I do when you talk about relationships, no man or no woman, no good man, no good woman wants to be toyed with. You in my life today and tomorrow you gone. You with somebody else. Is there anybody? Well, I ain't even going to ask that question because I don't want to know. If you here today and gone tomorrow, that's not a true relationship. You know what that is a reflection of? Brokenness. Something is broken. There's a deficiency. And most of the time people that are like that, they are searching for something They'll settle for that, but that's not enough, which is why they keep going for more, going back for more. Because my question is, if that wasn't enough, if that's not what you wanted, then why you keep going back? 
Why you keep looking? I heard somebody say, and I think it was Kurt Franklin put in his song, what you looking for? Somebody coined it in the, in the world, uh, some, some phrase about looking for love in all the wrong places. That's really what you, that's what you're looking for, is love. Now, see, we're going to have to bring it back. Think about it. Now, you, it, I hear so many people talk about, well, I, you know, I ain't looking for love. Love is for, no, you do want love. You just don't realize that's what you want. I'm watching people and I'm seeing them. That's why you live the lifestyle you live, because you're really searching for something genuine. But maybe because you've been hurt or you've been disappointed or whatever has happened in your life so many times, you settle for the lifestyle that you live. Casual encounters, because that's your protection mechanism. That keeps me from being hurt again. I got to stop. So, and, and when, I say, when I say these things, I say this again. I say this because I know we got folks that, you know, be visiting with, with us today or for whoever may be listening. But I don't say these things to be vindictive. This is the truth. The Bible says we shall know the truth. It's the truth that's going to make us free. The problem is the enemy wants to blind us from the truth and keep us in the same slavery state. Because if he can keep us there, we'll never achieve victory. God wants us to be liberated. Amen. I got to stop here. We'll continue next week. God bless you. Let's take a break and let's get ready for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.